Today's show brought to you by Redcon1.com. That's right. Click the link at the bottom of the podcast app in which you are listening to this on. Check them out. Use promo code T20Cordimus. That's right. Redcon1.com. There's nothing special about being American. None of you can define for me what an American is. I am the nation. I was born on July 4th, 1776, and the Declaration of Independence is my birth certificate. The bloodlines of the world run in my veins because I offered freedom to the oppressed. I am many things and many people. I am the nation. I am 200 million living souls and the ghost of millions who have lived and died for me. I am Nathan Hale and Paul Revere. I stood at Lexington and fired the shot heard around the world. Washington, Jefferson, Patrick Henry, and John Paul Jones, the Green Mountain Boys, David Crockett, and Lee. Coming to you from the D-Tom Studios in the free state of Florida, sponsored by Maker's Mark Bourbon, this is Don't Tread on America. host, Don Q. How's everybody doing out there today? Is March 23rd, 2023, Thursday. Here we go, here we go. guys how's it going out there today it's thursday yeah i know i missed yesterday sorry um not to dwell on my issues but uh those of you that have been longtime listeners of the show uh know i have a lot of health problems and uh as such the cancer doctors have me on new medicine i'm uh, starting to kick my ass this week and uh Really wasn't feeling it the last couple of days. So and you could probably tell by my voice that uh not feeling it a whole lot today, but I'm here. So, uh, with that being said, I don't know that we'll do a show Friday. And the reason I say that is because it is my wife's birthday weekend. Uh, fellas, those of you that have... Uh, wives or uh, significant others in your life and you know the old saying is what happy wife happy life or whatever right so she's off Friday Saturday Sunday so yeah what are you gonna do right um so I might not be back till Monday depending on how the weekend goes and uh anyway so let's get this show going I'm gonna make it a quick one unfortunately because it's late I had a meeting for work and uh i need to get to bed so but i needed to get this done so let's talk about our newer sponsor to the show our newest sponsor i should say they're not new but they've been around a little while but any christian lawson watches 
Check them out at ChristianLawson.com. Use promo code DTOM at the checkout. Get 30% off your purchase price. That's ChristianLawson.com. All right. You have to excuse me. I'm going to drink a lot of water during this show, and I might be a little sniffly, but you know what? It is what it is. Anywho. All right. So I'm just going to cover a couple of things. I'll be honest with you. I don't think we're going to get too deep into a whole bunch of shit. And I might tease you at the end with uh, future shows. And uh, so there you go. Now, obviously, there's nothing else going on in the world today other than Trump going to jail or not going to jail or maybe going to jail or maybe not going to jail. Or, you know, fortunately for us, the rest of the world has officially stopped. Um, Nothing else is going on. There's no other chemical plant fires, no train derailments. Everything has been done, cured, and wait, no, that's not true. There are still chemical plant fires. There are still train derailments, but that's old news, evidently. And uh, we'll get into that on the next show. I just want to basically talk about Trump. I know you guys are happy. I know you guys are excited. And uh, I'm going to try and stay focused but this goes back to everything that's going on in New York right now with, with the Trump indictment or not indictment or the grand jury. And I'm, I'm going to kind of be all over the road. But, you know, hi, I'm Don, right? That's what we do. So, you know, they say any prosecutor can get a grand, can, can get a grand jury to indict a ham sandwich. But in the case of Alvin Bragg, he messed up and ate the whole damn sandwich before the jury was seated. Now, that's an old saying. That's nothing that I created. It's not like I thought about that. That's that's an old saying. And the reason that is this, and I'm gonna I'm gonna let you in on a little secret. I think I've told you guys this before. Now, I'm sure everyone listening to the show, if you in you if you live in this country, if you live in America, you have been summoned summons for uh, jury duty, right? And uh, I've been summoned. I don't know two or three different times. Um, never have been called to participate. You know, you call the day before or whatever. And if your number's in the mix, you go. If it's not, you don't. Fortunately or unfortunately, I've never been uh, in the mix. So I've dodged that bullet. Now, my wife, on the other hand, was called for federal grand jury duty. Okay? Now, there's a difference. Like, jury duty is you live in whatever county you live in. You uh, get summons by your county, your clerk uh, of courts. And you go, uh, you know, maybe the... The Friday before you call and they say, you know, number one, two, three, four, you have to go. You go. You go down to the courthouse. There might be however many people they get summons to come down there. I don't know how many, 20, 30, 40, I don't know how many people usually go. Um, and I think you go through a, a litany of questions and you th- you're picked or you're not picked, essentially. Now, with grand jury, it's different. Now, my wife is on a federal grand jury for a year. Now, that means every Wednesday, every Wednesday of the year, since uh, she started in early December, I think it was just after Thanksgiving, as a matter of fact, she has to go every Wednesday. Now, every Tuesday prior, she can call after 6 o'clock, and they say whether or not she has to go. I think one time it's been canceled and I, for whatever reason. Um, only other time she doesn't have to go is if she's on vacation. So like in two weeks, we're on vacation. We're going to be out of the state. 
So she won't obviously have to go. But um, nonetheless, point being is this. She can't really go into details. Like when she comes home, she can't sit there and tell my God, we had to do, there was this guy that did this, that, and the other thing. She can't do that. She all, you know, she can't talk about anything. Um, but with that being said, she, the way she explains what they do is essentially you, you have, you know, the process, you know, the DA, whatever the attorney, whoever's in there, uh, for and against the government. And, uh, they present a case essentially just a, a facts of the trial and the grand jury says, yeah, we want to prosecute or we don't feel like there's enough to prosecute or indict or whatever the case may be, whatever the terminology is. Now, every Wednesday, she they go through 10, 20 cases. And she's not there. Someday she's, there, she's home by 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And this is in Tampa. So it's not like it's across the street from my house. And... um. Yeah, she has to be there at 9.30. She's usually out of there around 12, 12, 1 o'clock. So she's only there for three, four hours. And they go through 10 or so cases. And essentially the way it boils down to is this. Pretty much if you go, if, if, a, if a case is big enough to go in front of a grand jury, whatever, whatever the crime is, if that case is big enough to go in front of the grand jury, essentially you're going to court okay and you know you might be innocent whatever the, whatever you're being charged of you might be innocent and it also doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be arrested it just means you have an indictment to go to you, i mean it doesn't work it's not like law and order right i mean it kind of is but not exactly but point being is this these lawyers, these prosecutors, these district attorneys, these state's attorneys, these whatever they are, put a, put a uh, case in front of a grand jury. Within a few hours or within an hour or so, these people decide whether they're going to take this trial to trial or not. Okay? Now, in this situation, obviously, it's a little bit bigger deal than uh, a federal you know, whatever the crime might be. This is Donald Trump. This is a whole different situation. But it's not like, okay, if you've ever been called to jury duty, and let's say you're on jury duty for a murder. Let's just, whatever. And uh, John Smith killed Peggy Smith. Husband killed his wife. And, uh, and you live in the town that this murder happened. Uh, and it's in the newspaper. It's in the news. It's, you know, John Smith allegedly killed his wife, Peggy Smith. Oh, my God, you know. And they'll ask you, have you heard anything about this case? Do you have any opinions about this case? Do you know anything about this? Are you friends or relatives of these people or so on and so forth? And uh, if you're like, oh, yeah, I, I work with John Smith or, oh, yeah, I read all about it. I can't believe he did that or, you know, whatever, then you're not going to get picked. Well, with a grand jury, it doesn't work like that because there's no specific case that you're there for there's hundreds of case that cases that you're going to see during the course of the year that you're there for so when you get called to be in a grand jury especially a federal grand jury now this is solely based on what my wife is going through you're basically in there's the only way you get out of grand jury and this is what she had told me 
you have to have a really, really good excuse. You either are caring for someone that's dying, you're, you know, moving out of town or, you know, whatever the case may be, but it's got to be good. You can't give a work bullshit excuse. It just doesn't work. You're, if you're being summoned to be in the grand jury, you're in the grand jury. So you could be called to be in the grand jury in New York state. Okay. And, uh, you might not have any opinion about Trump. You might hate Trump. You might love Trump. You could give two shits about Trump. That has nothing to do with the fact that you're on this grand jury. And the fact of that matter is that you have to assume that however many people are on this grand jury, there's a good chance that at least half of those people, at least half of those people can't stand Donald Trump. Now, there's a good chance that all of them can't stand Donald Trump. It's in New York City, right? Uh, there's a chance that all of them love him. I don't know. But let's just say there's at least a 50% chance that the people on that grand jury can't stand Donald Trump. So no matter what evidence is being proposed to these grand jury folks, they should be able to indict Trump. Alvin Bragg should be able to get in front of this jury and say, these are the facts of the case. Done. Um, the problem is, is when you have a grand jury, your prosecutor can get in front of the grand jury and state his or her case and opinions and, and facts of the matter or facts that they believe. But the defense also can call witnesses. Now, you're not going to see Donald Trump get there in front of the grand jury and, and testify. It doesn't work like that. Just like the chick down in Georgia said, I wish, I wish we could have got Trump in front of the, I would have loved to sworn him. It doesn't work like that. He's he's not on trial yet. That's not how it works. But his lawyers can go and call this person and that person to try and rebuke the uh, prosecution's quote-unquote facts. Okay? So essentially what happened was this. You had a situation where, what's today, 23rd, so this was on, today's what, Thursday? So this was on Tuesday. This was Tuesday, the day that, he was supposed to, Trump was supposed to be arrested, right? Now, of course, those were his words, but whatever. I, you knew as soon as Trump came out over the weekend saying that he was going to be arrested on Tuesday, he wasn't going to be arrested because they damn sure didn't want to make him right, right? Whether he gets arrested or not, they weren't going to do it on the day he said he was going to get arrested. But anyway, so the problem is this. Trump's attorneys, let me, let me read through this article. So attorney Robert Costello he was a former legal advisor to, to Michael Cohen. He said that he testified to the Manhattan Grand Jury, and he told them that for two hours he testified in front of these um, this grand jury, and he told them that um, that it was clear to him that the Manhattan Grand Jury did not want to get to the truth. Now, this was off of Fox. According to Fox uh, News legal mind Greg Jarrett, Soros-funded DA, Alvin Bragg, who gives a shit if he... I mean, pretty much they're all Soros-funded. We can get past that. We'll just... District Attorney Alvin Bragg hidden nearly 600 pages of exculpatory evidence to a grand jury investigating Trump. So Jared says, I mentioned it yesterday. I think when Bob Costello got into the grand jury room and told them, wait a minute, this is Bob Costello's words, wait a minute, you don't have the hundreds of pages I handed over to Alvin Bragg over there. 
you only have six cherry-picked documents. So you know hiding from grand jury's (laughs) exculpatory information is reprehensible and unconscionable. And the conduct of Alvin Bragg and his henchman, Mark Pomeranz, who specifically says in his book, we're targeting zombies because we don't like his beliefs. Those guys should be should face uh, dis- disbarment. So, essentially, what the what he's talking about is this: this was a guy who was was uh, was a legal advisor to Michael Cohen. Michael Cohen essentially is their star witness. Now, this is a person who pled guilty to lying, to falsifying documents, and whatever else he got acute got you know tried for is is in or was in prison for these events. It's now coming out that he himself paid Stormy Daniels the money out of his pocket was never reimbursed. Now that's even to the point where that's been proven by the uh uh blah, 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 Jim Jordan from Ohio. So here you have a situation where if Alvin Bragg We don't know what was in those 600 pages. He literally took what he wanted the grand jury to see. And once this um, Robert Costello testified, asking them if they had seen whatever, and they were like, you know, (laughs) essentially he's like, uh, you're missing 600 pages of, of, of stuff. So, in these however many six pages or whatever of cherry-picked items, it's kind of it's kind of like uh, surely in those six pages there was there was guilt-ridden testimony of some sort, but it was taken out of context, so to speak. If you have six pages out of six hundred and however many pages, there's probably going to be stuff taken out of context. That right there automatically should have got Trump not indicted. But they're still dealing with this. Now, they were supposed to reconvene today at 12, and as of 3 o'clock, haven't seen anything updated. I'm going to go on to Twitter right quick and see if there's any any news about anything. Nothing is popping up. So, it's just a situation of they're trying anything and everything they can do to try this man. Now, essentially what it breaks down to is this. Let's just assume that Trump did what they're accusing him of doing. That he paid Stormy Daniels hush money because she had sex with him however many years ago and he's trying to cover it up. Now, here's the thing. The initial crime is a misdemeanor. In New York, misdemeanors have a statute of limitations of two years. Well, this event happened in 2016, okay? The, the, the supposed payoff was in 2016. So we're way past the uh, statute of limitations. Now he's trying to turn it into a felony, saying it was election, election, I can't even talk, election Fraud, not fraud, but where he was uh, using campaign donations to pay this this hush money. Um, when essentially it's been proven 
that Michael Cohen himself admitted to paying the $130,000 to the girl and was not reimbursed by Trump, the Trump Foundation, or the Trump campaign. So I think essentially what happened is this. We all know that lawyers are sneaky bastards. No offense to any lawyers that are talking or that are listening to this, but it is what it is. Um, I can imagine what happened is this. Trump being who he is, Michael Cohen being the lawyer. I, I kind of imagine it being like uh, in Pretty Woman, you know, where you have Richard Greer being the guy and and uh, Jason Alexander is the, the slimy lawyer and he's trying to weasel and connive and cover asses. I think either Stormy Daniels or her lawyer, not that Michael Avenatti is a choir boy by any stretch of imagination. It's kind of interesting how the two lawyers involved in this situation are both in jail, but, you know, whatever. Um, probably came up with a, uh, an idea to extort money from Trump somehow or another. It was a, you know, I'm going to pay him this money to keep him quiet because I don't want my client to get busted. I'm not going to worry about it because it's only $130,000. I'll make it up in residuals. No big deal. But now it's coming out that Stormy Daniels didn't even accuse him of anything and wasn't even going to say anything. So what's the deal? (sighs) Now you have this. This came out today. So Manhattan DA Bragg melts down in a five-page letter after GOP demands testimony. So this is today. Uh, The office of Al... Al uh, Alvin Bragg, Manhattan District Attorney, declined a request from leading House Republicans for testimony and documentation related to his inquiry about the impossible indictment of former President Trump. Leslie Dubeck, the general counsel for Bragg, wrote a letter to Jim Jordan, chair of the Judiciary Committee, James Comer, the oversight chair, and Brian Steele, the House administration chair, stating Republican request is an unparalleled investigation into it, and this is what's key, into an on... um, into an ongoing local prosecution, calling it unprecedented inquiry into a pen, pending local prosecution. The investigation is one of thousands conducted by the Office of the District Attorney and has a long history of pursuing justice and protecting New Yorkers. Bragg's response to a letter comprised of five pages claims the GOP would disrupt ongoing law enforcement operations and infringe upon state sovereignty and constitute an improper use of congressional authority. The letter also suggests that the limit, limited use of federal funds should not, be, should not serve as justification for interventions. If charges are brought, are brought at the conclusion, it will be because the rule of law and faithful execution of the district attorney's duty require, the letter wrote. The letter's, uh, the letter's allegations that the DA's office is pursuing a prosecution for political purposes is unfounded and regardless of proper form, for such challenger courts, which are equipped to consider the uh, review, such ob- uh, objections. Here's the thing. Okay, so it says local, where was it at? Where is it at? Come on. Local prosecution. Okay, to me, now this is coming from a district attorney who won't prosecute gang violence, people being shot in the streets people selling drugs, uh, random people getting hit with a baseball bat in the head. We've seen all these. I mean, you can look all this stuff up. In the past six months, there's been just random shootings, random beatings, random fights on uh, subways, random muggings between 
whatever colors of people. It doesn't matter. I'm just talking about the crime itself. It doesn't matter if it's white versus black, black versus white, black versus Asian, whatever. Who cares? Those crimes go the opposite direction. Those might be felonies that get reduced to misdemeanors. This is a situation where it's a quote-unquote local prosecution. But he was running for president. He wasn't running for president of New York City or uh, Manhattan City Council or uh, you know mayor of New York City. He's running for president. Um, if, let's just say for shits and giggles, let's say he did pay... Uh, Stormy, Dan- Stormy, Stormy Daniels, $130,000 to keep her, hook her whore mouth shut, right? Let's just say that's the case. It's not your business. That's a federal crime, not a local prosecution. He wasn't running for local office and then did all this stuff. He was running for federal office and then did all this stuff to the point where Biden's own DOJ... Merrick Garland and whoever else chose not to pursue this case because there's no there there. So you have to ask the question, why are you doing this? Number one, you're on the borderline of the statute of limitations for a felony in the state of New York. You're on the borderline. So obviously, they want to push this through as quickly as possible because he ran... As district attorney, he ran on prosecuting Trump for whatever. Didn't really even specify. There's no there there. And and furthermore, <laughs> it's almost to the point now, I don't know if this is like reverse psychology. I don't really know. But depending on what news you watch and, and what podcast you listen to other than the great D-Tom show, um, a lot of people feel... Like, if he does get indicted, that just makes him stronger, you know? And, you know, it's kind of like an Obi-Wan Kenobi thing. You strike me down and I'll become more powerful than you can imagine. That might be true. I don't know. I don't know that that's true. But if you have nothing there, you, like I said before, they should be able to indict him no problem. Realistically, there shouldn't be an issue indicting him. The fact that now we're into day three, because your grand juries, juries meet Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Period. So today's Thursday. Today's the day. If, if you don't hear anything by 5 o'clock today, it's going to be next week. Okay, so now this is how the world's going to work. You you won't, assuming nothing happens today, which it's 3.30 as I record this, probably nothing's going to happen. So you're going to have Thursday night news, Friday night news, <laughs> Monday, Sunday, Saturday, Sunday, weekend, whatever news. You'll have your Monday news into what's going to happen tomorrow on Tuesday. So whoever records podcasts between now and then, you're going to have however many different podcasts, however many different news, assuming this, assuming that. He's probably not going to get this, but he'll probably get that. And da, 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 da. All for what? For come Tuesday or Wednesday of next week? For a big nothing burger because I'm telling you right now what Alvin Bragg needs to think about is this if he convinces this grand jury to indict him which like I said realistically should be no problem you should be able to go in there and be like it's Trump come on 
Oh yeah, let's let's indict him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um now you have to prove your case. And proving your case in a court of law is a little bit different. So I think you have to ask the question if you're Alvin Bragg, is it worth the fight? I think now he's kind of past that point of no return. I think realistically what Alvin Bragg needs to do to kind of cover his ass, in my opinion, and I'm not, I'm not a law uh, professor of any stretch of the imaginations, but he needs to sabotage this indictment. Now, why do you say that, Don? That's crazy. Because he, if, if there is no there, there, okay, and he gets this indictment, indictment isn't guilt. It's just an indictment, okay? If their whole point of getting him indicted is to have the optics of him being cuffed and stuff like he's, you know, fucking Roscoe P. Coltrane, you know, if that's his purpose, it's going to be a quick photo op. Who cares? You're not going to see that anyway because the Secret Service has already come out and said that ain't happening, okay? So... I think he's getting a lot of backfire because the things he's hoping would happen aren't going to, even if you get the indictment, you're not going to get the photo opportunity. He's not going to be purple. He's not going to be cuffed and stuffed. He's all those things aren't going to happen. So if, if the indictment is just a point of trying to get the optics of this criminal Donald Trump, right? You've already failed. You've already failed that point because even if you get the indictment, the other stuff is not going to happen so if you're Alvin, Alvin Bragg your best bet is to sabotage the indictment and then blame it on the grand jury well the grand jury didn't feel la, 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 whatever kind of bullshit story you want to tell because if you get the indictment if the grand jury comes back today or Tuesday or whatever next week and says yeah we're going to go ahead and indict you're not going to get your photo op those things won't happen then it goes to Kate, to court, and you're going to look like a fucking idiot because there is no there, there. So all you're really going to do is strengthen the person you hate so much and ruin your career as a prosecutor or whatever your intentions are to be going forward. So... You know, that's that. Um, let's see, what else do I got here? Um, we're in 30 minutes here. I think I was going to go into some other stuff. And I really don't want to go that long. So I don't think I am going to get into that. Um, I'll save that for Sunday or Monday. How's that sound? Sounds good. All right. <laughs> Uh, let me just get on Twitter real quick here and just see if there's any new updates to this um, whole situation here. And then I will let you guys go. How's that sound? Hello? Are you guys there? <laughs> uh, yeah, so, I mean, this was one thing. Benny Johnson put this on Twitter. Now, this was a um, this was from a 2018 letter from Michael Cohen's low, lawyer. Uh, to the FEC, the Federal Exchange Commission, declaring that Cohen used his own personal funds, this is what I was talking about early, 
earlier. Uh, it writes, um, I'm sorry, the Federal Election Commission. I'm writing on behalf of my client, Michael Cohen, in response to your letter dated January 30th, 18. Specifically, this letter responds to a complaint number, blah, 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 which is filed in Federal Elections Commission uh, by Common Cause and Paul Ryan in a private transaction in 2016. Before U.S. presidential election, Michael Cohen used his own personal funds to facilitate a payment of 130000 to Mrs. or Miss Stephanie Clifford. Neither the Trump organization nor the Trump campaign was a party to the transaction with Ms. Clifford, um, and neither reimbursed Cohen for the payment directly or indirectly. Boom. So, you know, there's that. And here's, here's the kicker. I, I saw this, too, the other day, and it, it made me think just now. Um, was it around this same time frame? Now, I know this wasn't in New York, or I don't know exactly what state, city, or whatever it happened in. That's inconsequential. But... Um, didn't Hillary Clinton's campaign, whether she directly had anything to do with or her campaign nonetheless, didn't they pay money out of her campaign funds to um, to facilitate the the uh, Steele dossier? Wasn't wasn't that you know? Now wouldn't that be violation of uh, of your uh, campaign funds? So you want to say that one of the one of the things is that um, is that Trump used money from his campaign donations to pay this chick off. Well, that obviously didn't happen via the person who made the money or you know paid the money. Um, we know for a fact that. <laughs> that uh, Hillary Clinton and or her campaign did do this. It's been proven they had to pay a fine. So in this situation where you have a one campaign trying to tank another campaign via the Steele dossier that you paid for out of your campaign finances, and they faced, I think it was $8,000 or $80,000, whatever it was, dollar fine for said you know, problem. But in the meantime, Trump may or may not have paid this chick 130 grand to keep her mouth shut and uh now he's going to prison you know and i could sit here and cry they do it so much more than this is bullshit da, da, da. the thing is is you can get on you get on twitter you get on these different platforms and you can see that these people um are losing their mind over this and you constantly see Trump should be indicted. Trump should be this. And people... And it's... here. Here's the thing. I think all of these people are pieces of shit. Whether it's Biden, Trump, DeSantis. We don't know who we can trust anymore. I mean, realistically. Now, I'll say this about DeSantis. I'm really getting kind of tired. This is what I'll say about DeSantis. And then, and then I'm going to break away here. Um... As a resident of the state of Florida, okay, in March of 2020, we, as well as pretty much the rest of this country, were told 15 days to slow to spread. Now, I know not all 50 states were involved in these situations. And kudos to those, you know, couple of states that said, fuck that, we're not doing that. And it was literally a couple states. Um, to DeSantis's credit, 
he did what the president of the United States at the time suggested all states should do. Now, who was the president at that time? Trump, right? Now, I'm not blaming Trump necessarily for the lockdowns. Trump didn't know any better. He was going off of the words of his people, Fauci and whoever else. But once you open that gate as the president, you caused 50 states, or I think it was 47, 48 states, to lock down. For however long each state locked down. Now, fortunately, we had DeSantis, who, after like a month or so, was like, no, this is wrong. Did his own, or he didn't necessarily do his own research, but his people, whatever. And uh, they slowly reopened. Now, you had other states that was a year, year and a half before they reopened, or they reopened and then shut back down again. Um, I'm tired of hearing how the economy was shit in 2020. It was shit in 2020, but it's not like it wasn't great prior to that. People want to talk about how great Biden, look at all the jobs he's creating, the economy's doing this. Economy is, is, is a facade right now. It might seem good, but go to the grocery store and tell me how great it is. These jobs, all this stuff. Oh, he created X amount of jobs. No, he didn't. People went back to work. But I'll say this about about um, DeSantis. In my personal opinion, Trump, whatever. DeSantis, whatever. In my opinion, Trump's not going to win if he keeps going the way he's going. The name-calling shit worked back in 2016. It obviously didn't work in 2020 if you want to assume that the election was legit. Okay. You can't sit there and call Ron DeSantis lockdown Ron when you were the president and told everybody to lock down. <laughs> you can't say, oh, DeSantis is uh, establishment because uh, look who's supporting him. Okay. You see the videos of. Paul Ryan saying this, or Jeb Bush saying that, or George Soros. Oh, George Soros is supporting DeSantis. He didn't actually say that. He just said he'd rather him than Trump. Well, of course he'd rather Trump not be there, right? Um, it's not even that he said he was supporting DeSantis for president. He was just supporting Trump not winning. <laughs> um, you can't control who supports you. Oh, well, look at when DeSantis won re-election, Jeb Bush was standing right there clapping. Well, Jeb Bush is an ex-governor of Florida. He was governor like two, you know, before Rick Scott. Of course, he's probably going to be around. So, I guess in essence, if you're Ron DeSantis and you want to not be what you want to call establishment... You can't necessarily control who supports you. However, you can control who gives you money. So if whoever's involved with Paul Ryan and Jeb Bush and whoever else, and they're giving money to your campaign, it is, in my opinion, that you don't take that money. Now, granted, he's not technically running for president yet. But if that money starts rolling in, you need to not you don't have to accept the money either. As much as you can't control who supports you, you don't necessarily have to take the money from them. That's just my opinion. Um, but I, I still go back to what Chris said a while back. You know, maybe there is no good guys. Maybe it's just different bad guys. I want to believe that whoever 
is next is going to do the right things. And I'll, and I'll leave it on this little bit right here because nothing's really uh, breaking on this whole situation. So uh, we'll just go ahead and break away with this little subject here. Um, I'm going to play this, this little clip right here from, I'm sorry, my phone was going off. I don't know who that is. Um, from uh, DeSantis here. Now, uh, I'm going to just play this real quick. While protecting against government surveillance over your personal finances. But our legislation shouldn't stop there. Given the continued increase in Chinese influence in worldwide affairs and increase in plans to adopt CBDC worldwide, our legislation also prohibits any CBDC issued by a foreign reserve or government-sanctioned central bank. This will ensure that any effort to adopt a worldwide digital currency will never occur in the free state of Florida. And finally, I'm calling on like-minded states uh, like Florida uh, to uh, adopt similar legislation uh, into their uniform commercial codes and to reject any changes to their uniform commercial code that would formally recognize a central bank digital currency. And I've already spoken with uh, Lieutenant Governor of Texas, who's the head of the, the Senate in Texas. I do believe Texas is going to do something similar to what Florida does. And if we can get a groundswell of states to say no, uh, we are not going to turn over this power to you. I mean, look, ultimately, cash is king. I mean, if you can hold it in your hand, you have power over that. The minute it's all digitized, somebody else is going to have control over that, and it's just a question of are they going to let you live your life or are they going to decide to do things uh, to circumvent uh, what you want to do? And think about what we've already seen. In Canada, you remember when the truckers were protesting the vax mandates, you know, they had banks. Some of the, the government seized some of, froze some of their banks. You had charities that were trying to help these guys, and that was frozen. So we've already seen government really overstep its bounds as it is in the, in the banking situation and financial sector that we have now. Can you imagine if we went to something like a central bank digital currency? So I'm glad that we're uh, at the tip of the sphere on this. I think it's really important that states stand up to fight back against some of the things um, that are going on, well, most of the things that are going on right now in Washington, uh, because they don't have your best interests at heart. Uh, they have their own power at heart. Uh, they have their own agenda that they're looking to advance. And so I think this will be great legislation. I look forward. We already talking to the leaders in the legislature. I think this is something that is going to happen, and I look forward to being able to sign it into law uh, later this year. Okay. So... At least you can say this. He's obviously paying attention to the D-Tom show, right? No. <laughs> but um, CBDCs are a big deal. Whether you guys want to pay attention to that and believe that or not, it's, it's true. We already have issues with credit card companies trying to turn in people for buying guns or ammunition or whatever. What do you think is going to happen when, when and if this CBDC stuff happens? Fortunately, I live in a state where our governor, who is now governor, whether he becomes president or not, whether he becomes compromised or not, it seems like he wants to do the right things. We can't necessarily listen to the words that Trump calls him. In my personal opinion, I think DeSantis doesn't run for president, let Trump run, 
see what happens there. And then if he if Trump wins, I, I could really see DeSantis being vice president. <sighs> I really don't know anymore. I tell you what, we might not even make it to 2024. <laughs> what we need to focus on is the right now and the collapse of this economy. What I want to what I want to start leading into based on what this was, he wanted to get a coalition of states together, talk to Texas and other states. And I'm going to stop the show with this. Is this coalition, quote unquote, something that could build into something else? I'm going to leave it at that. So with that being said, guys, please, I didn't say this at the beginning of the show. If you're listening to the show, whatever podcast app you're listening to this on, I, I shouldn't say if, you're obviously listening to it, please subscribe to the show. Share this with your friends. I'm sorry for the lackluster performance today, but I'm still a little under the weather. Um, I'm hoping to get better here in the next couple of days. I'll bring the heat on uh, on Sunday or Monday when I do the next show. And uh, I got to get a lot of recording done next week because then we're on vacation the week after that. So follow us on social media if you choose to. We're Don't Tread on America on Facebook, Instagram, uh, DTOM underscore 1775 on the Twitter machine. And if you don't have any of those, then you can log in and subscribe to our our uh, website. It's DontTreadOnAmerica.com. Check us out there. Uh, subscribe. You'll get show updates and, and whatnot. You can watch videos and read blogs and all that fun stuff. Other than that, guys, you have a great Thursday. It is March 23rd, 2023, and I will talk to you again very soon. Thanks for listening.